Good afternoon again. All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm leaving, okay? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, awesome. All right, I'm down there. Good afternoon, everyone. Trust that you are doing well. Wow, it's been an amazing, amazing uh, five days um, of this powerful summit. And um, we thank God for everything that the Lord is, has done and is doing. Um, for, for Firstly, for all of you guys, for being part of what um, God is doing. And of course, we honor the grace of God, the gift of God in the life of my sister, uh, Reverend Wernie, uh, such a gift to the body of Christ um, with the word of God in her mouth. Um, has a heart for the kingdom and for God's people and so honored to call her sister. We're so, so blessed. Uh, Rev. Ade, my brother, just, just an awesome family. Um, her parents, uh, their parents, even um, um, Busola, Rev. Ade's wife, just, just, just amazing kingdom people. So we really honor you guys and what God is doing. Um, thank you for creating space for us to try to finish what we what we started sometimes we do that it goes wrong you know they don't invite us back because we spent too much time so you guys are kind and also to thank god for my wife um uh, being a, always 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 a great supporter and collaborator with me also guys say thank you to my media team literally these guys second time they're actually clapping for themselves <laughs> it's, it's the second time we've we've met this week just to make sure that we are serving you guys and and they'll be here for hours and and all the stuff that we're doing um so that's tolu kerry and of course johnson is is not here so we are so grateful. Please appreciate them for me. Also, I want to acknowledge, I know I need to teach, but I want to make sure I did this. I want to acknowledge all the ministry gifts, the tremendous ministry gifts um, that I've ministered. Some of whom I know personally, my brothers, Apostle Elijah, Apostle Emmanuel, uh, Reverend Ade, um, you know, and some of even our, you know, more senior established uh, people in the ministry. Um, you know, uh, Bishop David, I know was here. Um, um, Mommy Adefella was here as well. You know, just, just, just appreciate everyone. Minstrels, you guys are amazing. So thank you, thank you for pouring out. Okay, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay, so the last time I was with you, uh, we looked at rules of engagement, rules of engagement, and I want to try and bring uh, a sense of finality to. Are we okay? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Yeah, rules of engagement. I want to bring a sense of finality to um, what it is, uh, you know, that we, we, were, we were looking at uh, the other day. So today, let's pick up from Psalm 127 from verses 1 to 5. Psalm 127 from verses 1 to 5. Uh, it says, Accept the Lord, build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wicked, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives sleep, uh, his beloved sleep. It says, Lord, children are heritage of the Lord, uh, uh, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. And as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of uh, of the youth happy is the man that has a quiver full of them they shall not be ashamed they shall speak with the enemies in the gate happy is the man that has a quiver full of them they shall speak with the enemies in the gate um, another version says sons born during one's youth are like arrows in a warrior's hand this is a very interesting scripture because similar to what we established the last time we spoke, we started off in Ezekiel 37 and we identified that Ezekiel 37 was addressing the house of Israel. Basically, it was written to a house. It was directed to, the, to a house. And then we went on to see how um, that parallels uh, Matthew 16, where Jesus is addressing uh, the house of God. And we established that. Um, when Jesus was, 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 was addressing the house of God, he shows us a very key secret to the advancement of the kingdom is the establishment or the building of that house, which we said is the ecclesia of God, God's spiritual parliament. So here in Psalm 127, we see 
we see this is a psalm of Solomon and um, um, Solomon is quite insightful in the sense that he, by, by nature, by design, Solomon was a builder. He built a house to God. So we see uh, this, this great psalm here, but there are some interesting things that would help us understand um, uh, the rules of engagement. Here. Now, the powerful thing here is Solomon begins to show us that except God builds a house, every other effort that is put into building that house is is in vain it's 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 vanity and he goes he goes and then he says um in talking about a, a building a house and i'll show you the dimensions here he says uh, in a house children are god's heritage and the fruit of his womb is his reward as a man has arrows in his hands so are the sons or the children of his his youth i want to go with that narrative so are the sons of his youth he says um, in a house, when you have children in a house, basically, those children, they are like arrows. We're talking about rules of engagement. Those children, they are like arrows. The revelation here is not just even a physical house or a physical family, even though it would apply there. The revelation here is a, a revelation of the church, the house of God, that um, um, the children or the sons of God that are nurtured in a house in the house of God, they are like arrows in the hands of God. And the Bible says, consequently, that when a man has uh, 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 when a man has arrows in his hands, which are children, or you can say sons. I'll explain why you sons. He says, happy is that man that has those because then they would not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. In other words, one of their successes of warfare is the presence of children or the presence of sons. Are we together this afternoon? Okay, are we together? Right. So one of the successes is one of the successes of warfare. The Bible says that a, a man who has children will not be ashamed and the children they will be able to speak with the enemies in the gate so in order to, in order in order to contend with the enemy then there must be the manifestation of sons that are raised in a house somebody say a house sons born during 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 one's youth are like arrows in in the in in in, in, the, in the warrior's hands it's amazing because jesus in matthew chapter 16 is beginning to teach us about the advancement of the kingdom and he shows us that the revelation that sponsors the move of the kingdom the revelation that establishes the advancement of the kingdom is the revelation of him being the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, if we look at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7, this is key. Isaiah 9, 6 to 7 is a scripture we know very well, but I want to show us something. He says that for unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Unto us a child is born and a son is given uh, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And he goes on to say his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, this is powerful. Yes, we know this scripture, but the first line says, For unto us a child is born, but a son is given. A child is born, but a son is given. Okay, this is, I want you to note the revelation there. A child is born, but if you're going to be given, you have to be given as a son. Okay, and the essence there is maturity. The essence there is maturity. But most importantly, I want you to note that the Bible says that the government is upon the shoulders of the son. The government is upon the shoulders and the government shall be upon his shoulder. We shoulder the shoulder of the son. Okay, so I want you to follow this. And then when we look at Psalm 127, the Bible says, 
anyone who has sons or children the bible says that he will not be ashamed that he it, 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 happy is the man who has his quiver full of them and they will be able to contend successfully at the gates with the enemies and the bible says in isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 i'm laying this foundation so you can follow what where we're going here it says in isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 to 7 that the government is upon the shoulder of a son okay isaiah chapter 5 isaiah chapter 5 we're still looking at rules of engagement but i want you to stay with me isaiah chapter 5 verse 1 isaiah 5 verse 1 now this one you're going to need to even so much more pay attention isaiah 5 verse 1 says let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard my beloved had a vineyard or has a vineyard on a very fertile hill let me sing for my my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard my beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill what is interesting about this scripture with regards to sonship is this is that the word fertile in this scripture or for some of you fruitful is that hebrew word ben okay that hebrew word ben is the same word you get the word benjamin from that word ben actually means son okay the word fertile here used in the hebrew you and or the word fruitful is the hebrew word ben and that word ben actually means son so if we were to substitute uh, 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 that word fertile with the word son it will be interesting so we'll read that and say let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard my beloved had a vineyard on a son okay on a son okay now the interesting thing now i want you to note as well is that word heal next to the word fruitful so we've interpreted the word fertile okay all right now i want you to note that word heal that word heal is in the hebrew is the very word that you get the word hun from okay is the word you get the word hun from the bible says for example that um, um my 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 hun shall be exalted like that of the unicorn hun is a symbol of strength Hon is a symbol of strength, it's a symbol of power, it's a symbol of dominion. So again, when we read that scripture, we have we have interpreted the word fetal, we have interpreted the word heal. So when we go through it again, it means let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a on a son of strength on a son of strength or a son of dominion or a son of power are we together i want you i want you to 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 uh, try and process this with me okay so let me sing for my beloved uh, uh my love song concerning his vineyard my beloved had a vineyard on a son or established on a son of strength unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder isaiah chapter 5 verse 1 let me sing a song concerning my beloved in isaiah chapter 5 verse 1 the beloved there you can say is the father okay and the father has a has a vineyard the vineyard there you can say is the kingdom okay so let me sing a song for my beloved the father my love song concerning his vineyard the kingdom my beloved my father had or has a kingdom established on a son of strength psalm 127 i'm doing this because we're trying to learn something here okay i hope we're all together okay so psalm 127 then says as a man has arrows in his hands so are the sons of his youth and he would not be ashamed to speak with the enemies at the gate there is something about about engaging the kingdom of god or engaging with the engaging as god's kingdom uh, uh, the systems of this world contending against the systems of this world in the spirit of sonship someone say sonship in the spirit of sonship this is this is vital this is this is important and god wants us to 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 know this not anybody can go to war 
I explained to us in, in Matthew 16 that Jesus said, on this rock I'll build my church uh, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So what Jesus immediately tells us is that whenever the church is concerned, whenever the kingdom is concerned, then opposition is involved, right? And not just anybody can go to war. Not just anyone can, uh, uh, I know I'm going to hear my heart here, everyone is a child of God. Okay, we, do, we teach something called five stages of sonship, and I know uh, Rev as well teaches that. Everyone is a child of God, but we mature in different stages. Okay, so not everyone can go to war, not every believer can go to war, even though by DNA, every believer has been encoded with the ability to war for the kingdom. Right. So one of the ways by which we vet those that are able to engage the kingdom at different levels is through their constant, constant uh, 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 maturity of sonship. One of the things that I say is this, is that um, the, the revelation of the kingdom uh, really stands on, on three main pillars. Of course, one is the revelation of servanthood. And when I say servanthood, I'm talking about I'm not talking about being slaves. I'm talking about being generally servants of God, right? But then there is the revelation of the bride of Christ and the revelation of the sons of God. How do we know that? Well, when we look in the book of Genesis chapter 1, the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, chapter 1, chapter 2, if you look at it, chapter 3, the Bible says that God created Adam and Eve. If you read in the book of Luke, the Bible goes on and it gives us the, the different genealogies. I think that might be Luke chapter 2 or 3 or something like that. It gives us the genealogy of people all the way back to Adam and this was the son of dad and, and Isaac was the son of Abraham and all of that stuff and, and uh, 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 Jacob was the, uh, you know, and, and uh, uh, Jacob and Esau, the son of Isaac. It goes all the way back and when he gets to Adam, he literally says and Adam, the son of God. God. So we understand according to Genesis that Adam was God's son. But then what is Eve? Eve represents the bride. Okay, Eve, Eve is the bride of Christ. Eve represents the bride of Christ. So the marriage of the son, the marriage of the revelation of the sons of God and the revelation of the bride of Christ is what gives birth to the complete kingdom paradigm. The bride of Christ reveals the intimacy that God desires from his children. The sons of God reveals the government that God desires from his children. Are we still here? Okay, I hope, I hope we're, we're engaging. I hope we're engaging. So when we begin to speak about, about the advancement of the kingdom, the governmental dimension, the thing that God pulls out, out of us the most is this sonship dimension. And we are all, uh, it goes without saying, we are all sons of God as we are all the bride of Christ. But for, for today, I'm, 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 I'm emphasizing this thing on on sonship okay this is this is very 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 important okay this governmental dimension of sonship okay so let's move let's move forward let's take one step forward having established these things because uh, uh they are they, they are important i want us to go to psalm 82 okay psalm 82 from verses 1 to 8 because i want to show you what this what this sonship dimension that governs is like and then we're going to learn how we can um use our status as sons of god to engage and to govern the earth okay this is and this governance i'm talking about here is being administrators of the kingdom of god on the earth psalm 82 verses 1 to 8 Psalm 82, he says, God, now I want you to, 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 to read this carefully. I'm reading from the ESV. He says, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? He says, uh, give justice to the weak and, and the fatherless. Maintain uh, maintain." the right of the afflicted and the destitute he says uh, uh, uh rescue the weak and the needy deliver them from the hand of the wicked they have neither knowledge nor understanding they walk about in darkness all the foundations of the earth 
have are, are shaken. Now I want you to watch this and watch this carefully. Now God says here, it says, I said ye are gods. So I want you to, if you're highlighting, I want you to highlight that properly. Okay, it says, I said ye are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you, nevertheless you shall die like men and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit the nations. Now, this is quite interesting. This is interesting because uh, um, uh, this, in, this, in this discussion or revelation that the psalmist is having here, uh, it, it seems as though that there is a meeting taking place in the heavenlies. This is not, uh, this is not just poetry. This is actually revelation. And in this revelation, the Bible says that God took his place in the divine council. Some of your versions, maybe King James will say, God, God, God has taken his place amongst the gods. Okay. And in this conversation that God is having here, the Bible says that God is speaking to these, these, the Bible calls them gods, that God is speaking to these gods. You know, mostly when you hear the word gods, um, <clears throat> what we think of immediately is, is, is idols. All right. What we think of immediately, I want you to stay with me because we're going to, we're going to, we're going to try and land. Okay. What we think of immediately is idols. We think of idols, but here God is having conversation with gods. We're going to, we're going to break down what, what gods, gods represent here. And the Bible says that these gods that God is speaking to, okay, God is saying to them, the most high God is saying to them, he's saying that they have perverted justice. He's saying that they have been partial. He's saying that they have been wicked. He's saying that they haven't, they haven't rescued the needy and the weak. So we know immediately from this scripture that the collective that God is speaking to here, they had jurisdiction and rule over aspects of the earth. And that's quite clear to us. But what is more staggering and what is more interesting is when God says in one verse here, he says, uh, uh, they have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaking. So the earth was out of place and out of context. Now, the Bible says here, God said, I said, ye are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you, nevertheless, you shall die like men and fall like the princes. Now, the interesting thing here is that this collective that the Bible refers to as gods, that God is speaking to, the Most High God is speaking to, this collective here, God is saying that they were not men, <laughs> right? They were not men because God says, I've said that you are sons of the most high God and all of you, nevertheless, you shall die like men. So in other words, they were not, they were not men. They were not men. Now, when you, when you go into the, the original language, and I'm being quite mindful about how much of that we actually do here because of our time, when the Bible describes these, these gods, okay, um, 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 it's, it's, it's the word that's used is the word Beni Elohims, okay? And Beni Elohims, Elohim, Elohim is not just a word that's exclusive to God, by the way. Elohim could mean a spirit being, okay? So God, and I know we, we, we say God is Elohim, but it's not a word that's exclusive to God when you do the studies. God is, is an Elohim, but there is no Elohim like the Lord, okay? So the Bible calls these, these gods here, it calls them Beni Elohim, Beni meaning son, okay? Sons of God, Beni Elohim, okay? So these, these spirit beings here, um, 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 th this is interesting because immediately your mind begins to think, oh my gosh, like when did this happen? When was it that these, is this just revelation? Is this, is this futuristic? All of that stuff. But it's, it's, it's not so. It's not so. And I'm doing all of this because I want to help you understand the power of your sonship that when God says something, he means it and he has left patterns for us to observe in scripture so that we don't underestimate the power of our sonship and the importance of our sonship to God. Now I want you to watch this. My sonship is not just important to me, it's important to God. 
This is what I want you to know. Mm. In one sense, in one sense, in one sense, I get it. In one sense, we've been brought up with the fact that God doesn't need us. And I get that. That's true. But he has chosen to need us. Someone say he's chosen to need me. Right. God has, God has chosen to need us. And the reason is that for the advancement of the causes of God on the earth, God needs sons to take their place and to, and to, and to represent him and to do what he has called them to do. Basically, the reason is this. The reason is that, is that in the principles of God, man's jurisdiction is on the earth. The Bible says, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but to the children of men he has given the earth. So for anything to advance on the earth, God must find divine representatives in human form that are able to advance this purpose. And this is what we call sons. Someone say sons. I hope you're here this afternoon. I know it's a lot of information that I'm putting out, but we're going to try and get somewhere. So here we see a pattern that the, of, of this. The Bible shows us in, in Psalm 82 of these sons of God. Who are these sons of God? Let's deal with this mystery quickly um, so that we can move on because I just don't want to leave it hanging well for us to understand this a little bit we, we need to go to uh, um, um, Deuteronomy chapter 32 from verses 8 to 9 Deuteronomy chapter 32 from verses 8 to 9 because I'm going to give you some rules of engagement but these rules of engagement what would what would solidify your ability to engage is more so doing this out of being Right, living this out of being. Deuteronomy chapter 32 from verses 8 to 9. Deuteronomy 32, 8 to 9. The Bible says, I want you to pay attention to this. I'll try and explain as much as I can. Deuteronomy 32, 8 to 9. It says, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance. So when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. When the Most I gave to the nations, watch, their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God, but the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is allotted inheritance. Now, for some of you that are using other versions, possibly, I don't know if it's King James, one of the things that you would see that's different between the translation that I read and the translation that you have is yours will mostly say sons of Israel. This is, uh, this is a technicality in translation of Bible manuscripts where some people favored certain things over the others, basically. But you would find in translation like the New Living Translation of the Bible, um, like ESV, for example, you would see the confirmation of the fact that um, it wasn't according to the number of the sons of Israel. And I can give you the technicalities for, uh, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to, I already started laughing when I looked at my notes today, but God help our understanding. Okay. Now, but I'll give you some of the technicalities. Now, the first thing in, in unraveling the scripture that we have to find out is when did God give to nations their inheritance? When did God divide mankind? Where, where is that occasion in scripture? That occasion is Genesis chapter 11 from verses 1 to 9. Genesis 11 from verses 1 to 9. Without going into it deeply, please keep it and, 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 and read it yourself. But the Bible simply talks about how the children of God uh, they, they, sorry, sorry, the sons of men, they started to build a, uh, uh, a tower to get to heaven, basically. And the Bible says that God said that they've determined to do, because the people are one, that there is nothing that they've determined to do that would not be done. So God said, let us go down and scatter them. And because of that, God, God literally brought separation amongst the nations. Because if you understand the context around that time, we're dealing with the, with the time of, you know, Babel and Babylon and all of these evils that are going on. So what God did 
to deal with the rebellion that was about to happen was to separate the nations and to divide to divide the people into nations because at that time there was one language on the earth so Deuteronomy 32 when the when the most high assigned land to the nations and divided the human race essentially is Genesis 11 I want you to understand that and I hope we are following this okay that's Genesis 11 so this is the situation where God divided the human race now the interesting thing here though is that the Bible says that when God going back to Deuteronomy 32 from verses 8 to 9 Deuteronomy 32 8 to 9 the interesting thing here though is that the Bible says that when God gave uh, the nations their inheritance and when he divided nations the Bible says that God fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God I know some of your vision version says sons of Israel now it could have been the sons of Israel because Israel did not exist as a nation at that point basically the, 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 the nation of Israel had not yet been formed in Genesis 11 okay so it couldn't have been according to the number of the sons of Israel in fact we know that Israel came out of Jacob so Genesis 11 here we are in Genesis 11 God couldn't have divided the nations according to the number of the sons of Israel that wouldn't be consistent but the Bible says here in the ESV version for example that God God divided the nations according to the number of the sons of God let me read it from you for you from the New Living Translation New Living Translation this will help you better okay New Living Translation now the Bible says that when the Most High assigned lands to the nations when he divided up the human race he established the boundaries of the people according to the number in his heavenly court so we understand that these sons of God are sons of God's heavenly court or they are members of the heavenly parliament right and then he says for the people of Israel belong to the Lord Jacob is his special possession in other words in other words what God did was God divided the nations up according to the number in his heavenly court according to the number of his sons so the nations the rest of the nations were under the leadership right of the sons of God of the sons of God or according to the under the leadership of God's heavenly court but the Bible says God reserved Israel for him right God reserved Israel for him so God was God over Israel now this thing was so serious Israel's preservation and uh, being reserved it was so serious that I hope you understand this in a way that the people saw Israel if you remember very well that Naaman had leprosy and Naaman came to Elisha to get healed and after he got healed if you read the story in a in a very interesting way you would see that Naaman literally asked Elisha if he could take some of the sand from Israel back to where he was from because Israel was seen as God's territory and God's holy land okay so we see clearly here um, and I've tried as much as possible to uh, what's the word now to, 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 to pack all of this stuff but the simple thing I, I know you may be asking is who are the sons of God right who are the sons of God being referred to here in scripture if you read clearly the the book of Job it tells you one of the principles of Bible interpretation is let let scripture interpret scripture right when you read the book of Job the Bible says that the sons of God came together and even Satan came into that meeting now the question was what was Satan doing in that meeting well Satan had gained access into the courts of heaven because Adam had given him rights right because Adam had given him rights so the Bible lets us know according to the book of Job that the sons of God are of the angelic realm that's for lack of better expression they are of the angelic realm so what God did was that he divided nations under the leadership of these spirit beings these are uh, uh, these are these are spirits that were given uh, uh, the ability to rule so in 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 uh, in Psalm 82 now when we now come back to Psalm 82 please stay here because this will help you when we come back to Psalm 82 Psalm 82 is the audit Psalm 82 is the audit 
right is the audit of this of this thing that god did when he divided the nations under the number of his heavenly courts the people that god is speaking to are spirit beings that were given jurisdiction over the nations and god said to them god said why did you pervert nations god said why didn't you administer justice why didn't you do now for us this is strange but for those that that were part of bible story the supernatural worldview was their reality now you begin to understand how we can get to a place where daniel is praying and daniel is worrying and the bible says that there is a prince over pressure right the prince <laughs> pressure probably had pressure probably had a physical ruler but the bible says that pressure had a spiritual ruler there was a prince of pressure whilst daniel was praying right and it is this rebellious sons that god put over the nations these spirit beings that became that that became that you begin to understand the supernatural worldview of the scripture right but i'm we're not I, I'm, I'm doing this because of this i want to expand your heart for study and all of these things but i want you to understand the direction that we're going in so you begin to understand why Daniel could come, come against that. And in fact, what I love about the story of Daniel is that when Daniel was praying and the Bible says that he was, uh, uh, an angel was on the way to give Daniel uh, uh, an answer. And the Bible says the prince of Persia resisted him. It took Michael, a ranking, priest, a ranking prince of, of, the jurisdi of a particular jurisdiction, the minister of defense. <laughs> right to come take care and spearhead the battle i'm going to speak to you um, as part of the rules of engagement on jurisdiction understanding your jurisdiction that yes as much as we're called to preach the gospel as much as we have a heart there comes a point where we have to understand what is our allotment in the gospel i'm coming Whew. wow right okay so so psalm 82 god is god is auditing but what i what i see in psalm 82 what is interesting to me is that god shows us that at one point on the earth that there was the trusting of a spiritual parliament to administer on behalf of god the bible calls these spirit beings he calls them sons of god that's not the, the first time sons of god are used is not in it's not in the new testament that's not, it's not the first time, it's, it's not in the New Testament. But what we can see, even through the failure of these spirits in Psalm 82 that were giving jurisdiction over the earth, we can see God's intention and God's design for sonship and ruling the earth. Right, so when the Bible says that we are sons of God, it's not, it's not a nominal title, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, you know, take, just, you know, just be quiet, let me just give you something. No, there is a function, there is a responsibility that is attached to sonship. Now link this back again to Psalm 127. Happy um, children are heritage of the, uh, heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. As a man has arrows in his hand, so are the sons of his youth. He will not be afraid to speak with the enemies in the gate sons are crucial for the defense and the advancement of the kingdom does that make sense sons are crucial and when i say sons again i mean male and female but sons of god also sons our sonship is crucial our sonship is not just about um you know being please please hear my heart it's not just about being nice we have to be nice you know you get what i mean but our sonship there is so much more that's attached to the responsibility of our sonship and we see here, we see here in Psalm 82, we see clearly when the scripture tells us that God put together a parliament. You know what God called that parliament? God calls it the divine council. In other words, sons of God are part of God's heavenly council. No other way, Jesus is speaking to us in Matthew 16. Now we can understand when Jesus is saying, I give you the keys of the kingdom so that what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, so that what you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. No wonder Jesus is saying that. We have a pattern in the Old Testament where we see where God trusts sons to administer to administer his purposes 
his purposes. So what we have been called to as God's sons, it's not, it's not a small measure unto what a child is born, but unto what a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. What sons do is that they carry the government or the governmental dimension of God to the earth and to the nations. Right? He says, let me sing a song about my beloved. My beloved has a vineyard. He has a kingdom established on, a strength, on the strength of sons or a son of strength right the lack of the revelation of sonship in the church will cause the church to remain sheep but not army do you understand what i'm saying to you and this is why sometimes we begin to see we don't even understand when god is changing the way that he deals with us we don't understand that sometimes what god does is like 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 uh, like the, the bible says in in the book of galatians chapter 4 he says that a a a, 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 a yeah <laughs> how do i pronounce again yeah, okay, because they keep correcting me. Yeah, as long as he remains a, a child, he says he differs nothing from a servant. And what the father will do is that he will put that hair on the tutors and governors and administrators until the time appointed of the father. Right. Why would the father do that? Because the father would see that this child must be able to rule. This child must be able to reign. This child must be able to administer. This child must be able to function. But if I'm going to get this child to be able to function, if I'm going to get this child to be able to reign, if I'm going to get this child to be able to administer, I have to put this child on the training. I have to put this child on the tutoring. I have to put this child on the leadings, on the direction. On the sharpening, on the tuning, on the development. Does that make sense? And sometimes the frustration we feel is because God has switched the way that he dealt with us because now he's preparing us for an inheritance because it is your father's good pleasure that you inherit the kingdom. The kingdom you don't inherit, you cannot manifest. The kingdom you don't inherit, you cannot manifest. And that's the problem. And this is why the Lord has, has, has created such a conference. This conference has been powerful. You know what? I'm, this is what I'm going to do personally. I don't know about you. You know, I was meditating about the conference today and, 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 and you know, desiring God what next. And the Lord dropped these words, abide, abide, continue with this, abide. I don't know about you. I'm going to go back over every single message, every single message every single message and about this is not a a uh, you know this is not just about saying wow this this finished me this wrecked me i know we say those things and those things are powerful right beyond that beyond that this thing must get into your inside it must get into your bones it must get into your marrow you must be convicted about it you must wake up to this 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 operating system that's now in your spirit this this way of thinking your heart must be configured your mind must be configured your ways must be configured your patterns must shift your patterns must shift i've got 12 minutes i'm going to try and see what i can do in that time right but the kingdom at the kingdom that you don't inherit you cannot manifest and so god is driving you because heaven is depending on your sonship heaven is depending on your sonship because god like in in psalm 127 god is like that man that has got arrows in his hand you're an arrow in the hand of god i'm an arrow in god's hand and arrows have targets arrows are not just fired anyhow no, no skilled warrior just takes an arrow and begins to fire it anyhow a, a, a warrior knows the value of, of an arrow. A warrior knows the value of a weapon. You're a weapon in the hands of God. You're a weapon in the hands of the master. You're a weapon in the hands of the king. Your life is too important. Your destiny is too important. You can't make ordinary choices anymore. You are too important to the advancement of the cause of God. You're an arrow in the hands of a skilled warrior and Jehovah is his name. Jehovah is his name. Ikasoda Lamande Kadosh. This is important for you. This is important for you. Because this thing has to be about being. 
Does that mean I, I, I'm seeing crazy things in our generation now where people are trying to, I don't know, in the, in the name of, you know, thank God for the enlightenment that we have. And, and this is not, please, I want to say this when we teach like this, it's not to slow people's processes down, it's to intensify their process. Spiritual growth is not, is not the number of years, it's the quality of time invested. It's not the number of years. Is the quality, is the quality and the intensity of time invested. But I see crazy things in our generation now where people have not understood these patterns and this paradigm and they stand up and start something and say they want to change something and then before you know it, they blow out of steam. Do you know why? They did not develop the stature. The Bible says that the boy Jesus, he grew in stature. He grew in favor with God. He grew in favor with man. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in rank. He grew in rank in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Then the Bible begins to tell us now. It talks about how we must attain the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I told you that the destination of Christianity is not heaven. It is Christ. I believe in the return of the Lord, remember? But it is Christ himself. What is that destination? Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. He gave pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, apostles. He says for the perfecting of the saints, for the edification of the body of Christ, for the work of the ministry. Why? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man the measure measure of the stature of the fullness of christ in other words it is god's design that we come into the stature of the measure the rank of the measure of christ that we come into that stature that we grow up to him in all things that's what the bible says and when we grow up to him in all things we grow up to him in dominion we grow up to him in power we grow up to him in character we grow up to him in all things in all things someone say all things someone say all things then we can now come to the mystery of the church christ is the head of the church we are the body the same life that flows from the head is the same life that flows to the body so the the Bible then says that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit and because we are one spirit he moves through us he governs through us so when something is happening across the nations of the earth and we're like God where are you God comes like he came to Adam and he says Adam where are you <laughs> he says Adam where are you most times we ask God where he is and God is like I'm here I'm eternal I'm positioned I'm where I am I can be where I want to be at any time the question is where are you in my plan where are you in my agenda where are you in my purpose if you keep staying away from my word keep staying away from prayer you will lose yourself though you're in me okay I have to find a way to to round up I have to find a way to round up so it would take sons does that make sense when sons of God arrive creation begins to take note does that make sense sons of god don't spend all their time asking questions there are times we hit a situation we hit a circumstance and then we begin an inquest to heaven oh god you know what it is the powerful thing is this is that when we have developed in god we develop something called divine initiative divine initiative is the fact that you are led by the spirit of god so you operate the mind of christ so it doesn't take you ten thousand years to try and figure out what a divine perspective is on the matter because you are you have been developed in the presence of the father with the initiative of the father it is not in circumstances that you begin to invent what to do no I do what I see my father do as a lifestyle when the circumstance comes what I put on display is the nature of my father is the character of my father I see a generation rising that will stop crying over every single situation and say let God arise in me and let his enemies be scattered it's not a case of god needs to arise no it's not that when we say let god arise it's not that god is coming from heaven no god has a reason but god now needs to arise in me and begin to govern through me i need to find a way to land i've got five minutes okay cool what are rules of engagement i've got so many things i i can't you know i <laughs> i can never i was laughing at the beginning of everything because i knew that would be the case okay but i could go on and on and on uh, but but quickly let me give you these rules of, of 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 engagement which will be important for us so so number one rule number one no man that was entangles himself with the affairs of this or that was the last one i think we looked at you can entangle yourself with the affairs. you must develop a, a a military mentality right a military mentality you don't just leave you don't leave as a civilian 
Does that make sense? You are, you are conscious. You are conscious. You are disciplined in your life. You are disciplined in your time. You're alert. You're awake. You're, you're sober. You are vigilant. You are watchful. You are territorial in your thinking. Does that make sense? You look at things. You act as a watchman. You don't just get anything. You know, people don't just, if I keep saying to, to the guys around me, one of the signs of a lack of context is somebody just calls you one day, says, let's go to this place. You just leave everything you're doing. Like, no. You're a soldier. No man that was entangles himself with the affairs of this world. There are things that other people may do, but there are things that you wouldn't do because you have put responsibility on yourself. Next one. The next one. The next one. The next one is this. The next rule of engagement is this. If we suffer with him, we will reign with him. Book of Romans chapter 8. Book of Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. If we suffer with him, we will reign. Let me bring this up quickly because I'm mindful of our time. And I know we've got one more session tonight. Uh, Romans chapter 8. Okay. If we suffer with him, we will reign with him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's, it's Romans 8, 17. Okay. Romans 8, 17. Here, Paul is telling us that we are, we, 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 we are heads of God. Okay, we're heads of God. And Paul is telling us, he says in Romans 8, 7, he says, And if we are children, then heirs. And heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may be also glorified with him. Does that make sense? When you are, uh, uh, when you are the ecclesia, right, for you to reign with him, you must suffer with him. Well, I wish I had time to expound on this, but um, there's a message I did on this recently. Hopefully, a ref can be so as kind as to post in it. And I, I taught on this just last month. And I talked about what that suffering is. You don't suffer what Jesus has paid for you redemption wise there's no need to suffer that that makes two of you there's an idolatry of suffering that's not right does that make sense but there are things you suffer for your faith and some people some people have a suffering degree it's as if you know what's the point of what jesus went i'm not talking about that i'm talking about for example some of you guys now you have degrees you have masters you have phds there are there are constraints that you placed upon yourself decisions you made th pleasures you decided to do away with so that you could come into mastery Right. There is a suffering. There is Christian suffering. Not all suffering is Christian suffering. Does that make sense? Some people suffer because they don't know all things that pertain to life and godliness. But if you suffer with him, if you make decisions, you suffer for your faith, you choose your faith. An opportunity of compromise comes, but because you want to suffer with him. Because why? You know that you're God's heir. You are looking at the inheritance. You are looking at what it is that God has called you to do. You are looking at the kingdom. You're looking at the dominion that God can bring to you. So you know that in a moment, you're not going to be like Esau, where you're going to forego everything if you suffer someone say if we suffer with them we will reign with some christians don't like to suffer i'm not talking about suffering as in suffering the things jesus died for already does that make sense okay so it's not those things we're talking about okay moving on moving on moving on quickly moving on quickly um the third the third rule of engagement sorry my, my notes are long the third rule of engagement is jurisdiction and legislation jurisdiction and legislation okay what do i what do i mean by that okay by jurisdiction i'm talking about your your um the territory over which god has given you authority to exercise or given you to exercise authority and by legislation i'm talking about putting something into action how do we know about legislation well the bible says that god in psalm 82 that god sat in the divine council and he gave these sons the the ability to legislate and to put things into action sons of god are called to legislate how do i know that whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven i know we use it in many different ways but actually um it's more relevant legally it's talking about agreements it's talking about uh, uh, when, when, we, when we talk about uh, uh, when, we, when you say when you say whatever you bind on earth you've heard of the term legally binding okay it's contractual it's legally binding when you talk about uh, loosening we're talking about dissolving agreement does that make sense we can make agreements on the earth we can dissolve agreements on the earth as God's children but one of the most powerful things as much as we can do that is that sometimes we have to understand our jurisdiction where is God calling you to 
What is God asking you to change? Where is your allotment? Where is the place that God has sent you? You don't have to get involved in every single thing. Be masterful. Have a sense of mastery. Know your dimension. Know your calling. Know your positioning. Because when it gets to a level, it's going to be a matter of authority, not power. It's going to come down to authority, not power. This is why I love it when, when, when again, as I said, when Michael is, sorry, when, when Gabriel is wrestling and Michael has to come down and take charge of the battle because that was Michael's jurisdiction. Does that make sense? You want to pray and understand that God in the kingdom, intention is not good enough. Intention is great, but what is more powerful than intention is direction. Does that make sense? A lot of people have a lot of good intentions and they will take you so far. But you're going to come to a point that the authority that you exert is proximated the clarity of assignment that you have. Even in the military, not, not because it's a battle doesn't mean everybody does everything. Does that make sense? Wow. Not, not because it's a, that's, that, not everybody does everything because it's a battle. There are people that are positioned to do certain things. There are people that are in front. Does that make sense? Some people are intelligence. They're different positionings. You have to get a hold of that. This is why you need so much more consecration in this season than ever before. Okay, the fourth one. I think this will be the last one I would, I would give. The last one then is that you need to innovate. Right, you need to innovate. Right, this is the last one, the last rule of engagement. What we have to understand is this. What we have to understand is the gospel that we've been committed to is a gospel that creates. Oh, wow, that I had time. Genesis 1, I think I've explained this, I think when I was a Luther on, on being led by the Spirit of God. Genesis 1 is interesting because uh, 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 Genesis 1 is 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 a, is is a story all by itself you got to get that and understand that the bible says that in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and there was darkness over the face of the deep when we study the original words we begin to understand that in the beginning god created bara which literally means which literally means that when it says God created bara, it literally means that God perfectly created and furnished the heavens and the earth. And when he says that, and the earth was without form and void, the word was is the Hebrew word hayah, which literally means that the earth became formless and void. In fact, that word form and void is a word for destruction in the Hebrew, tohu vabohu, a word of destruction and desolation. So what we understand is that Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 is a time frame in which God creates the earth, okay, and then the earth became a desolation because of spiritual activities. So there was darkness over the face of the deep. The Bible says that, the Bible says God created heavens and the word earth means, the word earth means dry land. Okay, by virtue of that, the word earth means dry land. If the word earth means dry land, what were waters doing in Genesis? I don't have time to deal with the whole theology, but the one thing I want you to understand is that Genesis chapter 1 is the preaching of the gospel. Why? The Bible says there was darkness over the face of the deep. So when there was darkness, what God did was he came into the darkness and said, let there be light, and he created again. Does that make sense? Creating is a system of warfare. There are things that you will pray about. There are things you will shout about. But if you never create the system of advantage to deliver people from where they are, you can take pray about prostitution. But if you don't create organizations that will get people out of prostitution, your prayer will be powerful. You have generated a dynamite, but that dynamite has no, has no structure to express. Boy, I wish we had time. Right? It has no dynamite to express. How do we know Genesis 1 is the preaching of the gospel? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tells us that. 2 Corinthians 4. It says, it is God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness that are shown in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God as it is the face of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul is referencing Genesis 1. That God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. He is the one that has told us to go preach the gospel. To command light into the darkness. When God preached his own gospel. Good news into the world that was chaotic in Genesis chapter 1. What happened? It created. His words created. The gospel creates. Believers have the genius mind of God. Believers have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is not just to avoid sin. No. It is for you to participate in all things that pertain unto life and God. 
godliness. So we must innovate. Does that make sense? We must create. I'm going to give you these quick things, basically, because again, because of my time, I have to be, you know, I have to be respectful to our time. Th these things are important. We must create. Why? Why must we create? Because when God asks us to 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 be fruitful, uh, multiply, replenish the earth, have dominion, all of these things, essentially, what God is telling us, what God told Adam was to cultivate was to cultivate now that word cultivate i told you the last time is a word that's connected to the word culture it's a word that's connected to the word culture christians deal with culture in many in interesting ways let me tell you five things we do with culture quickly the first one is that we condemn culture as believers we say oh everything is going to be spoiled everything is just broken everything is destroyed there is no hope we're just going to get out of here we condemn culture Every, everything happens we're like oh this is bad that's bad that's that that's one way the other category of people consume culture right they consume culture they don't have a yes they don't have a no they just take whatever culture presents whatever movie whatever song whatever they just consume it the third category of people they critique culture does that make sense they are analysts of culture they analyze culture they talk about it but don't do anything the fourth um the fourth set of people basically they imitate culture they copy culture the church does this sometimes right we see something that's going on in the world it's not that we just even consume it we literally take it into our space and begin to say this is the new thing that god is doing but the thing that god wants us to do in innovating is to create culture to create culture is to image god because god is a creator being the image of god means that we create like him creativity is a is a strategy of warfare there are things you will produce there are things we have to understand i'm done i'm done i'm done there are things we have to understand in the church differently Things you must begin to see in the church differently. That these things are not optional. I was teaching about 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 um, uh, uh, prosperity and posterity on on Sunday at church, and I said to them, I said, it's it's amazing to me that when Jesus died, the Bible says that a man named Joseph Arimathea, of Arimathea, the Bible says that he went to Herod and he demanded the body of Jesus. The Bible lets us say that this man was a wealthy man, a man of influence. I think that tells us something. That tells us something. Basically, the Bible says that, <laughs> it says that there is, the, it, it, in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, I'll find the scripture, someone find it for me. It says that there was, this, this is the analogy of wisdom, that there was, a, there was a wise man, that this wise man, a city was besieged, a city was taken over by the enemies, and that there was a poor wise man in that city. And that this poor wise man, by his insight, he delivered the city, but the Bible says that, even though the city was free, no one remembered the poor man. And then he says, though wisdom is more important, he says the, the wisdom of the poor will be despised. Now, there are two lessons there that we should never despise wisdom regardless of who it is. But the Bible tells us a reality that there are, <laughs> the Bible says no one remembered this poor man. There are things that would not be announced or effective or affected if or affected if we don't have the honor, the influence, the substance, the creativity to be able to do it as much as we pray about it. Joseph of Arimathea had to go, his wealth, his influence, his status, whatever he was doing, had a place in the resurrection story. Christians ought to be different in this season. Christians ought to think differently in this season. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So this whole conference has been, you cannot, you can't listen to these messages once. No, this has to become an operating system. This has to become a mode of thinking, a mode of operation in your life. So these are rules of engagement, right? Go ye into all the world. The world there is cosmos. Go ye into all the systems, Okay, going into all the sins, we understand through faith that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The word for world there is in, in Hebrews chapter 11 is the word aeon. Okay, one is cosmos, cosmos speaks of the systems, but another one in Hebrews 11 one is the word aeon. That word aeon means time frames, dispensations, ages. For example, we have an age of technology. The Bible says through faith, the world have been shaped by the word of God. It's time for Christians to begin to shape the world influence culture but we must do this because we understand the crucial nature of our sonship that as a man has arrows in his hands 
So are the sons of his youth. You are an arrow in God's hands. You are too precious. You can't live your life by mistake. You can't buy all those things. God needs you. God needs your positioning. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. And I pray, Father, that there's so much Spirit of God that needs to be revealed. But I trust you. I trust you. I trust you to do what you do. Because you are the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open the eyes of your people. Open their heart. Let there be an explosion. Father, let there be signs and wonders attesting to this truth. And the truth even at this conference, Father. Let truly God, let there be encounters that make people settle once and for all. Whose side they're on who it is that they represent. And Father, we bless the ministry of Eleuther and Rev. Werner, and we declare that even as they have sown, that this is yet another measure of kingdom inheritance that the ministry is coming into in the name of Jesus Christ, that whatever it is, Father, that's been allocated for this next dimension and this next wave, the glory that attests to this now, now message, Father, in Jesus' name, that it will be made manifest. We thank you for the release of graces, of giftings, of anointing, anointings of, of, of ministries, of, of, of prophets, of pastors, of teachers, of evangelists, the strengthening of those who are in ministry watching right now. This new wine of the kingdom like a surge, like a mighty river invading and, and, and shattering limitations. Thank you for the commissioning of people, oh God, um, into the marketplace, oh God, where they would do it now with an anointing, not just with a passion, but with an anointing. We bless your holy name and we give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. Amen.